And so today I want to talk to you about pride, which is always something fun to talk about because pride is always easier to see in someone else than it is in yourself. And so uh, there will be moments in this time where I, I trust that this is a safe place for me to share my struggles with pride. I, I'm a very prideful person. Um, I think most of the time it stays in here, but I do tend to wear my emotions on my sleeve, so a lot of times my pride does come spilling out. Um, does anybody, would you say, like, just raise your hand. Would you, do you struggle with pride like I do? Anybody in here? Okay. Some people? All right. So if you did not raise your hand, that means you also struggle with pride. So I'm just saying we are all on the same playing ground right now, okay? Uh, I struggle with pride. We all struggle with, with pride in some way. And so um, I actually have a list. Uh, these are signs that you struggle with pride, okay? The first one, uh, we just proved this. The first sign that you struggle with pride is you think you are humble. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this one is me. Okay, this next one is totally me, a sign that you're prideful. You get angry when you're driving and someone passes you, and you're going five over. What is that? Okay, so I, I get so, I'm like, I'm not, but my thought is always, am I not going fast enough for you? Like, I'm going five over. And you still got to pass me. I'll see you at the stop sign. Okay, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, sorry. Okay, the other one is if someone honks at you. Like, if someone honks at you, like, if, you, if the light just turns green and someone honks at you, and you're like, am I not, again, am I not, all right, you can see my weakness here. Okay. This next one is me. You hate waiting. You hate waiting in slow traffic, or you hate waiting in line. And if you have to wait more than, like, 30 seconds in a line, it's like, Oh, man. Uh, I hate waiting for microwave popcorn, delayed Amazon packages. And if you really want to test your character, you hate waiting. See what it looks like when you're waiting for the Wi-Fi to come back. I heard that. Watching online, I heard that, right? All right. A sign that you're prideful is that you're always right. You never say the words, I am wrong, stringed together in a sentence. Another sign that you're too prideful is you post too many selfies. I don't remember the last time I posted a selfie, so I, don't, I can't relate to that, but I can relate to a lot of these other things. Another one, uh, when it comes to social media, again, you, you constantly check to see how many likes or thumbs up or followers you have on a post. Anybody else struggle with that? Here's another one you may not think about, okay? Shine that you struggle with pride. You never let anybody serve you or pay for you. I think especially for us, for, for men, you know, you're at the restaurant, you, pick, you want to pick up that tab. Like, we don't like people to serve us or, or to pay for us. Because we're the man, we're the provider, right? Another one you may not think about, uh, sign that you struggle with pride is, is you don't take compliments well. You think you're being humble, but really it's false humility. You say something like, oh, whatever we say. Another thing is uh, you, don't, you don't try new things because you're afraid you're going to look silly because you're not competent or, or it's a new skill that you haven't learned yet. In my mind, I'm thinking of my father who did try skiing, okay? A very humble man. He tried skiing and laid on his back the most of the day, but at least he tried it. Uh, last one, maybe you can relate to this. Uh, you, 
You're more concerned about how your car looks than maybe what your heart looks like. Maybe whether it's the inside or the outside, more concerned about how your car looks than your heart looks. Now, some of these are, are funny, right? Some of these might actually hit a little too close to home. But the, the reality is we all struggle with pride in some way or another, whether it's something that we just think about or it's, it causes us to actually act on it. We all struggle with pride in some way. The question is, where, where did, did pride come from? Well, pride originally comes from confidence. Okay? And here's the thing. Confidence is a good thing. Confidence is a, is a holy thing. God wants us to be confident. And in fact, in uh, 2 Timothy, it's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read this. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, a strength, a strong spirit. That's the, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And, and he wants us to be strong and confident. But what happens is, Sin creeps into the picture, and what sin does is sin twists and contorts things that are good into things that are unholy. And so what happens is this. You take confidence, which is good, and you mix it with sin and twist it up, and it looks like this. We stop putting our confidence in God, and we start putting our confidence in ourselves. You may not even realize you're doing it. We, we stop relying on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we, we start relying on our stuff. And then we stop remembering what God has done. And what happens? We start remembering and thinking about and even boasting about the things that we've done, our strengths, our accomplishments, the things that we can count on, that we've built up. The result is pride. And so then the question is, how do we, we take this, this, this issue of, of pride that we all struggle with, how do we take that and how do we untwist it back into the confidence that God wants us to have, the, God, the, the, the confidence that God designed for us to have through the power of the Spirit? How do we do that? Well, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18. And so there's a couple things that we learn about pride from this passage. So we're going to look at those things, and then we're going to address that question of how do we untwist this sin from pride back into a holy confidence. All right, so in Luke chapter 18. We're going to be in verse, uh, verse 9. This is the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And so let's read through this together, and we're going to just pause for a moment and, and, and uh, look at a couple of things. All right, so Luke chapter 18, verse 9. The words will also be on the screen. All right. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray, 
One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, the cheaters, the sinners, the adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. First thing that we see is that pride is confidence in self, not God. Just think about that for a second. Pride is confidence in self and not God. I mean, the very first thing that, that, that Jesus says in this parable is he, he's telling this parable to some who had great confidence in themselves, in their own righteousness. Now, to give you some context, okay, let, let's, let's give a little bit of a, of a comparison and a contrast to the, the Pharisee and the, and the tax collector, okay? Pharisees back in, in those days were basically lawyers, PhD professors, maybe even doctors. They were, they were on that level. They were in charge of uh, teaching the law to the people of Israel. They were uh, the, the, the holders of the law, okay, and they, they would, uh, you know, benefit from the, the tithes and the, the taxes of the people. Remember the taxes, but the tithes of the people. And so they were like the high rollers of the Jewish society. And they were very proud. Most of them, if not uh, many of them, not all of them were. But they were very, very proud. They, they relied on their education. They relied on their, their holiness and their righteousness. And they taught others and led others by putting them down, and, and they always opposed Jesus because they were a threat to their, he was a threat to their position. Now, compare that to the tax collector, okay? A tax collector was typically someone in the Jewish culture, typically a Jew, who hired themselves out to the Romans, okay? They, they were uh, working with the Romans, and, and Rome during that time was uh, the, the conquerors. They were the invaders of, of the people of Israel, really the whole world. And so people didn't, the Jewish people didn't like Rome, okay? They were, the, they were living in occupied land by Rome. And so for, the Jew, for a tax collector who is your brother and sister, a fellow Jew, for them to hire themselves out to the enemy to be a tax collector— that's one strike against you. But the second strike is this. A tax collector would turn right back around and tax you. And often, if they had such low character as to work for the Romans, they would have low enough character to overcharge your taxes and scrape off the top and line their own pockets with the finances of the people, their, their fellow brothers and sisters, their taxes, their money. And so what does it say? A despised tax collector, a Pharisee and a despised tax collector. Tax collectors were thrown in there with, with sinners and adulterers, as you can see what the Pharisee just did too. They were high rollers in society as well. Now here's the, here's the, the contrast, okay? We saw what the Pharisee's mindset looked like in his heart, but look at the heart of the tax collector, okay? They're both praying and the Pharisees had a, a tendency to pray loud prayers on street corners for everyone to hear. But look how the tax collector prays in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. 
and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Amy talked about that when she was doing the welcome. Sometimes we just have our heads down. He dared not lift his eyes as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. It's a sign of deep grief if you beat your chest like that. He beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. This tax collector came in a combination of humility and confidence. He came in humility knowing the lifestyle that he lived, the sins that he had committed against God, against his people, the sins of greed and thievery and stealing and corruption. He came in humility. But catch this. He also came in confidence. He came in confidence knowing that the Lord hears him, that the Lord sees him, that the Lord will have mercy on him if he comes with a repentant heart in humility. The tax collector came with a combination of, of humility and repentance and confidence. Because, see, the tax collector learned this, and this is the second thing that we see in this parable, is that pride never helps us. Pride rarely helps us. That's the second thing that we see. Let's finish off this, this parable in verse 14. Pride rarely helps us. And this is Jesus kind of giving up the, summa the, the summary uh, of this parable. And he closes with this statement. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. And here's why, okay? Here's why. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. <laughs> Pride is never helpful. Think about it. If, if you're exalting yourself, where do you have to go from there? Down. If you humble yourself, where do you have to go but up? Not by your own doing. But who, who's the one who exalts? God exalts. They will be exalted. They will not exalt themselves. They will be exalted. Pride is never helpful. So uh, again, talking about pride, so I'm going to put myself out there. It's a safe place. My church family, I trust y'all. All right. So uh, you know how uh, you hear from preachers sometimes, like they'll share a story from like the day before that God gives them because they know they're about to preach on that topic the, like the next day. Well, that happened to me yesterday. So here's my story about pride from yesterday. So Hannah, uh, my wife, and I were in going to Home Depot. Uh, Hannah does uh, design, so she kind of redid our, our bedroom. We painted it a darker color. And so one of the things that she wanted to do in our room was she wanted to replace the light switches that are white, you know, pretty common, with black light switches. You know, black switch, black cover, everything, so it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb in the room. So we go to Home Depot, and uh, I know where to go. I'm going to go to the electrical section. And so I go find the light switches. I go look, and there's all the selection of the white ones, the white switches. And then there's the other section, which is the black ones, right? White and black, two choices. So I, I look down, find the ones that I want, and I pick those out, and I bring them back. And, I, and I'm kind of like excited because we're going to make this change. It's going to look real nice. And I bring them back, and I go, here you go. And she looks at them, and she goes... These are brown. Do they not have any black ones? 
I'm looking at these. I mean, you can see these, right? These are black. Like, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, these, these are all they had. There's only two options back there. There's, there's white, and there's black. And these are the black ones. It's like, no, sweetie, these are brown. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, like, now, now the pride's starting to well up. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not colorblind. Like, I, I can see it. This is black. There's white and there's black. There's two options, right? So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll go back. And uh, this is where my pride is starting to well up inside of me. And I'm hoping it's not visible because I'm trying to just be nice. And so I say, I'll go back and, and I'll double check. And on my, my, on my way back, I'm thinking, oh, this must be a designer thing. She can see all the different shades of the colors. And I want to walk right back there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see that there's the black box with the label. It's called black on it. And I'm going to bring it back. And I'm going to go, yep, I pulled those from the black box. So I walk back, I find where the lights are, I find the box where I pulled the light from, the light switch. You know what it said on the box? Brown, it's like you guys know. (sighs) So I find the right ones, the black ones. I pick those up and I bring them back. Because I knew I was preaching on pride the next day, I said, I was wrong. You were right. And then later on in the car, I apologized for my impatience and my rudeness. And then further later, I said, sweetie, you have a gift for being able to see all the different colors that I cannot see. (laughs) Pride is never helpful. Pride is never helpful. And yet we struggle with it. We struggle with pride. You know, C.S. Lewis uh, one of the great uh, Christian authors of, of, our, of our time, um, he wrote about pride. He, he, he called pride the utmost evil. He said that all other sins, anger, lust, greed, he said all other sins are flea bites compared to pride. The scriptures are full of, of warnings against pride. And, and I just want to show you a couple. Uh, first one is in Proverbs. We'll throw that up on the screen. I just want to read that together. Proverbs. Proverbs 16. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Okay. Let's go to the next one. This is James. He says, and, and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be opposing me. I don't want God, I don't want to be an enemy of God. That's just scary. All right, and then Matthew, we read this in Matthew. Pull that one up. The greatest among you must be your servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted, just like what we read about in that parable. Pride is never helpful. Pride, really, is at the root of all sin. You know, Kurt preached about uh, Adam and Eve last, last week in, in the garden, and what do we see there? We see pride, the root of all sin. It was, it was there uh, from the beginning. And pride is our greatest enemy. The root of all evil, a root of all sin. So the question still remains then how do we untwist this? If we all struggle with pride, how do we untwist that pride and live out the confidence that God designed for us to live out? Well, the answer is to choose humility. 
Notice I didn't say, be humble. I said, choose humility. In order to be humble, you have to choose to humble yourself. It was a choice to walk back to the stroller where Hannah was waiting and say, you were right, I was wrong. Yes, I know. That's my daughter. She was amening. She was there. She saw the whole thing. The most beautiful picture that we have, I think, of what it looks like to choose humility is a picture of Jesus in Philippians 2. And I'm going to read that passage for us. But this is, this is Jesus. And I want you to think about who Jesus is, okay? Jesus, who is the king of all kings, robed in splendor and glory, who you and I are designed to worship him and to glorify him with everything that we are. You know the story about Jesus, where he was born in a barn, placed in a manger, in a little town in Bethlehem, lived the life of a, as a carpenter, had a humble ministry. This Jesus is what we read about. And so uh, Paul gives this discourse about what our attitudes should be like towards each other and the humility that we have. And he compares it to Jesus in his humility. This is what he says, Philippians 2, starting in verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. I mean, we, we live in that culture. Comparison culture, impression culture. <laughs> be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus has. And this is where he, he gives Jesus Christ as the example of what it looks like to, to choose humility. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That's not where his confidence was. That's not something he flaunted or boasted about. He used it to teach. He said, the Father and I are one. But he didn't boast about it. He didn't cling to it. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave, as good as, might as well have been, and was born as a human being. He put on flesh that gets dirty, that gets broken, that bleeds, that sweats. He put on flesh. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Kings are given royal burials. This king died not just a death, but a death, the same death that a criminal would die. So look what happened. 
verse 9. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to choose humility, to to have these things that you could cling to, but you choose not to, and you choose to humble yourself in obedience to God the Father. We choose humility. Now, if we choose humility, here's what's going to happen. When you choose humility, when when you and I choose to submit ourselves to the Lord and we put our confidence in the Lord, we begin walking with what I have uh, come to call God confidence. We call this a a godly swagger, God confidence. Now, I gave you some signs of what it looked like if you struggle with pride. Here are some signs that you walk and carry yourself with God confidence. You know who you are and whose you are. Meaning you know your identity as a a sinner, but as a sinner who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and lives as a new creation, being clothed in Christ. And you know that you belong to the Lord. No matter what you face, no matter what trials or temptations come your way, You know that you belong to the Lord and you stand in that strength, being clothed in Christ, knowing that God loves you and that you love him. Another sign that you're God confident, you know your worth and your purpose. Being humble does not equal weakness. I think sometimes we think of someone who's humble as someone who's frail and timid and soft-spoken. No. Humility just means you know your worth. In the grand scheme of things, I am not important. But in the eyes of God the Father, in the eyes of the kingdom of God, in the context of the great commission that Jesus charged us all with, I am vitally important because Jesus lives in me and I carry the message of the gospel wherever I go. But I take up my own, as, as a, another Christian speaker said, my own God-sized space. No more, no less. I know my worth in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of the world. And I know my purpose. Another sign that you're walking with God confidence. You know that you're broken, but you know that you've been made whole and redeemed by Jesus. Another sign. You know you can call on the Lord for anything. You know what that's like when you walk through life knowing that no matter what comes your way, you can call on the Lord and you boast in the Lord and trust in him to give you strength and give you peace and give you joy no matter what you face. And that's the next sign of someone who walks in God confidence. You carry yourself with joy. That doesn't mean you're always happy-go-lucky. This life is hard. There's going to be times where you're sad. I get sad all the time. And that's okay. But I know that God's got it. No matter what happens in life or in death. In blessing or in in want. 
I carry myself with, with joy. You carry yourself with, with peace. You carry yourself with strength. You carry yourself with God confidence, a godly swagger. Last sign that you, you walk with God confidence is you're gracious, compassionate, and patient with people because you're walking with joy and confidence. Now, obviously, Jesus is the best example of what it looks like to, to choose humility. And, and he's the best example of what it looks like to walk with God confidence. And you see that through his ministry. But there's someone else that whenever I think of this concept of God confidence, I can't help but thinking about. When I think about God confidence, a lot of times I think about Tim Tebow. Now, you can say whatever you want to say about, about Tim Tebow. You can say whatever you want to say about how good of a football player or a baseball player, or whatever it is now that he's doing. You can say whatever you want. But man, when I look at that man, I see someone who walks with God confidence. Because here's, here's a guy who his dream, right, was to become an NFL quarterback. Had a great college uh, football career. And he made it. He was in the pros. He was, he was playing professional football. His dream. And he had his dream taken. And continually, one, one time after another, God closed that door on his, his athletic career, his professional football career. But all throughout that time, his confidence was never in his physical strength or ability. His confidence was never in a team or a Heisman trophy. His confidence was always in the Lord. And that's how he carried himself. He carried himself with joy. He carried himself with strength. He carried himself with peace. And it, and it poured out. It flowed over. It. Everywhere he went, everyone he talked to, whether he, you were on his team or not, like that's just who he was. And even now, I don't know what his career is going to be. He may not even know what his career is going to be. That's how he carries himself. So with God confidence. Because if you are a God-confident person and Christ is living in you, what happens? Christ pours out of you. And the world, when the world sees someone who has Christ living in them and, and lives in that joy and that peace and that strength, it's attractive. And the world leans in and watches and, and is curious to know more about it. Walking with God confidence. Now, I want to end with, with this. You know, we talked about pride. We talked about uh, pride is, is confidence in self and not God. Pride is never helpful. So what do we do? We choose humility and we walk in God confidence. And so I want to end with this. I want to end with Psalm 20, verse 7. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And back in ancient times, the chariot and the horse were the sign of strength in your army. It was like, it was like having, uh, you know, the, the Air Force or the Navy or a tank. Like it was, it was the strength of your army. And so it was very common for, you know, armies that faced each other to see chariots and horses 
and to be intimidated. And it was likewise a fault of leaders to put too much hope and trust in their chariots and their horses. What is that for us? Some put their hope and their trust in chariots and in horses, but we put our hope and our trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some put their trust in their bank accounts, in their salary or, or, or their financial stability or security, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in their education or their, their professional status or their position, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in their stuff, your car, your truck, your phone, your computer, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in the world to give them a sense of worth, a sense of belonging, and a sense of love. But we, the church, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's my desire for, for all of us is to choose humility, to walk in that confidence, to put our trust and our confidence, not in things, not in ourselves, but in the name of the Lord our God. Let me pray. God, we love you. God, we uh, submit ourselves to you. We humble ourselves before you. Lord, help us to let go. Lord, by the power of your, your spirit and, and the grace of Jesus, we ask you to work on our hearts and we ask you to untwist what has been twisted. We ask you to uncontort what has been contorted. Lord, help us to, to choose humility, but Lord, help us to live and confidence, and strength, and joy, and in peace. In such a way, Lord, that the world leans in and wants to know more about you and your work in our lives. We love you, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you guys have a great rest of your Memorial Day weekend, whether you're in the room or online. Go eat a hot dog for me. Enjoy some poolside time. Whatever you do, choose humility and walk with God confidence. I love you guys. We'll see you next time.